5: This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner
6: Show.
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
6: We're on the soundstage in a major Hollywood studio where they are shooting a great Shakespearean classic. We're going to interview the star of this picture, Jose Jimenez. Excuse me, Mr. Jimenez. Wait just a Wonder- second, that's Sir Jose. Sir Jose, he madness. Don't forget, I was knighted. I think you mean knighted. Well, all I know is I knelt down on my knees and the queen hit me on the shoulder to be knighted. You were that's knighted. What you. Yes, I was uh, knighted, yeah. Tell me, Sir Jose, uh, where did you study? I studied in the old Vic. Oh, the old Vic company in London. No, the old Vic Danny's in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Yes, we we'll used do a seat around the steam room there trading soliloquies, learning the Shakespearean language and kind of talk that Shakespeare people do. I wonder if you could uh, give us a sample of some Shakespearean uh, language. Well, certainly. was a sample of some of the Shakespearean talk we did right there in his steam room. <laughs> for soup, Pretty! soups, Sounds! Hark, noble at ten, and turn it off that for looking the steam! <laughs> <laughs> Very yes, oh, it's <coughs> out, results, you know Very, very <coughs> good you mentioned, uh, you mentioned soliloquies before Could yes. you explain just what a soliloquy is? Yes, I think I could do that for you Good You see, in Shakespeare's time an actor who talked to himself was called a soliloquy person Well, well isn't he called that today? No, today an actor who talks to himself is called a cook <laughs> Would you like me to do a soliloquy for you? It'd be a great honor, an esteemed privilege, and an unexpected pleasure to have you perform for us now. Stop hedging, yes or no? Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, by all means. All right, I would like to do a little number from Jamlet for you. Uh, Perhaps you prefer something from Romeo and Juliet. No, Jamlet's fine. Uh, How about the famous soliloquy from Jamlet? That's good, okay. How does that start? I think it starts, to be or not to be. Oh, yes, that's right, okay, okay. To be. Or not to be. <laughs> that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Mr. Jimenez. Or to take arms Mr. against Mr. The Hemenis, sea Hemenis, <laughs> by a sinner. Mr. Jimenez. Mr. Jimenez. To die. To sleep. Perchance to dream I Sir Jose. Yeah, yeah, what's the matter? Your voice. What's the matter with Why don't you speak that way all the time? Well, I would, but how often does to do be or not to be come up in conversation? <laughs> <laughs>
2: This was
0: another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
2: Old Fashioned Radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program.
5: back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My, uh, my guest this hour is what they call a quadruple threat. As an actress, writer, director and producer, she has written, directed and produced 10 stage plays through her production company and uh, including the smash touring musical stage play In Love With Tyrone. Her name is Erica Nicole Malone and she joins me by phone. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you, Thompson, for having me.
5: Um, now I mentioned that that you participated in uh, the production of a smash touring musical stage play, In Love with Tyrone. I was surprised I didn't see on your list of uh, abilities: um, singer, songwriter, dancer, musician. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you so much. You know, I, um, I, 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 first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Yes, yeah, my stage plays um, are really the beginning of my entire career. Um, I started off at Performing Arts High School, and um, I would write plays to pay for tuition and charge $3 a ticket. Um, and it was really awesome um, when I was in college and then, of course, on to Performing Arts High School. So musicals have always been an important part of my life, and then transitioned me into uh, more recently um, writing a sitcom pilot in 2015 uh, called War to the State, starring Janet Huber, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And, um, and then I you know, wrote several other screenplays, and now we're about to uh, – I'm actually in production with uh, Remember Me, the Mahalia Jackson story, Yeah, uh, which is – yeah, which is an amazing, uh, basically a musical. It's kind of an extension of what I did then, except, you know, it's cinema. And uh, starring Lettucey, uh a phenomenal Grammy winner, lettuce as well as um, Columbus Short as Dr. King. Lettucey is playing Mahalia. Uh, Janet Huber, also, who is in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, is playing uh, Aunt Duke. So, Wendy McHale Robinson, Keith David, Keith Robinson, it's an amazing cast, and um and also my short film that's about to debut, Dreams from the Edge, starring Mark Curry, Hang with Mr. Cooper, and Bernadette Stannis, Done um, with some good time. So it's an amazing, um, I guess, journey from theatrical to where I am now. And I wouldn't have traded one piece of my life um, to get to where I am. By
5: did, now. did you start out acting?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, I started out as an actress. I was 13 years old, and that is when I auditioned for the Youth Performing Arts School in Louisville, Kentucky. And um, I started out as an actress, and, you know, it was just um, acting was something, you know, at that time, acting and modeling is what I knew I wanted to do the rest of my life and didn't really – I had already been cultivating writing but didn't know it was going to one day take the forefront. But, yeah, I mean, acting is an important part of my life as well. But I think, you know, writing kind of leaves that, um, writing, directing, and acting. as I kind of enjoy uh, acting in my own production, <laughs> in my own self. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, a lot
5: of times people who have the ability to act and can write will write for themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can write for myself and... I mean, especially since I know what I enjoy playing. And I just haven't really, like, okay, this is what I want to do for myself yet. I haven't wrote that particular project for me, but it's definitely on on the horizon. But, um, yeah, acting is, I'm very, very, um, I love not only writing roles where I can pour into those roles, but um, acting in roles where I can pour into them, too. You just become someone else, and I love the aspect of, of doing that of, of, of going on a journey with another another soul another character.
5: Do you like writing for stage or screen better?
1: You no, know, that's an excellent question. One has its you know strengths. Uh, stage, you know, I have to tell you, I'm a Broadway fanatic, so I love all of the Broadway. Shows. <laughs> <laughs> all of the. I mean, it will literally sit around the roof, My Fair Lady. Gigi. Um, so, I'm, you know, it's hard because there's such a extemporaneous feeling of being on stage and feeling the audience and them speaking to you while you're on stage. But there's also something beautiful with seeing your character come to life on screen. So I think it's lateral. I can't tell you that I like one better than the other. It's, it's. I I would say once upon a time it would have been theater but it's probably lateral now.
5: And, and, where did the love for musicals come from?
1: Um, I just remember being a little girl uh, and watching Oliver and <laughs> loving the whole aspect of uh, the way they were able to communicate to you directly through song, dance, uh and speak to you in dialogue, but the the poetry of all three. And I just thought it was really, um, you know. And you have that. You have Porgy and Beck, And you have. I mean, you have so many amazing uh, musicals that I think tell such strong stories, but they do it through song and dance, and they they go right so visceral. You know, it goes right through you. So, um, you know, obviously Annie and a lot of those musicals. I mean, you know. I'm just a very musical. I'm a songwriter, also. So I'm a very musical-oriented
5: person. I was going to ask. I was going to ask you about that, um, Erica, because um, you know uh, musical things keep popping up in your repertoire, and and I wondered if you if you studied music, if you play an instrument. Obviously, you you must play something because you write songs.
1: That's so sweet. Um, yeah, actually, I don't play an instrument. I, I started playing the flute in middle school, long story, but it, I didn't <laughs> get to finish. But um, the flute is one of my favorite instruments. I would say the flute and the saxophone and the piano. Actually, bass guitar, too. electric well, guitar, but bass guitar. So I, I, I just love the way, and I'm a big jazz lover, too, so I love the way different instruments come my mother used to take me to symphonies when I was little. Um, she exposed me to a lot of, of music. So I don't, I, I, just, I just love different kinds of music and the flow of it. And I think, uh, being a black woman, I did find it fascinating as a little girl. I was very aware that, you know, one of my, some of my favorite musicals, my fair lady and Gigi, um, Annie, at that time, Annie I think had one character, but most of the time, there wasn't a black character in that. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, and it was like they, it was like a comfort level, and a, you know, almost like an instantaneous like acceptance that okay, so we're doing my fair lady and there's no black people in, it, you know, because it's set in London and these, are... and so I felt like I really wanted to create the same magic, but with beautiful black faces the same magic I saw growing up, but with black faces. And How do you, so, um,
5: how do you write songs without playing a musical instrument?
1: Um, you know, it's funny, and there's, there's plenty of people who do it, but I can feel and hear the different kinds of instruments that should go. I hear the melody. And a lot of times what I'll do is I have an amazing uh, friend. I'll say, hey, I have this song. Can you put music to the melody? And they'll send me back what I hear in my head. I'll sing the melody and then they'll play it back and I'll tell them the instruments I hear and they'll send me the song from what I'm hearing in my head. So it's quite easy to do. I think a lot of songwriters do that. Oh, um, no, I, th- you I think
5: you're right. I just I just wanted to hear how it works for you. Um, mm-hmm. So you basically record yourself singing a melody. You write the lyrics and the, and the melody and then you get I assume, a piano player to fill in the chord changes and and come up with basically the skeleton for whatever the orchestration's going to be.
1: That is absolutely true, yes. Well, that's... And then... Go ahead. Yeah, someone that can understand, especially if they know there's a certain vibe you like or a certain kind of instrument you lean more towards, they'll be able to really speak to what it is you're trying to write.
5: More with actress, director, writer, and producer Erica Nicole Malone straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is
1: Elvira, Mistress of the Dark with Tom Sumner.
6: Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at
3: swiftlet.technology.
2: TheTomsumnerProgram.com Hello, so
3: this is State Senator Jim
5: Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with actress, director, writer, and producer, Erica Nicole Malone, straight ahead. Do all actors... Want to direct? That's that's the old know. saying: all actors want to direct.
1: Exactly. You know, I, I don't think all actors want to direct. But I think what happens is, you know, you have like your Angelina Jolies and your the Washingtons, but I think they're just on so many sets, they're listening to directors and they're actually being taught. You know, if, even though they don't realize they're being taught, they're being taught the art form, and then after a while, they kind of. Watching enough after fifty movies, you're like, you know what? I can do this. And they just get bored. And I think they want to, you know, stretch out a little bit. Not to say they don't like acting, but they want to try something different to see. You know, it's like you always, you know, I'm a big believer. Just like my short film dreams from the edge, which is basically dreams from the edge of life. I think until the day you die, you should be constantly trying to stretch and get out of the temple of your familiar. Do something different. Oh my gosh, I haven't tried this. Like, because what is what else is life for? You know,
5: you know you you say constantly moving, and I'm I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around all the things that you have going on simultaneously. Do you, <laughs> do you just write nonstop, Erica?
1: I think <laughs> I do. <laughs> I think that I've been like this since I was five or six years old. I think that I'm constantly creating a new world or a new character or a new place, but that's just because that's it's what I enjoy. I like creating stories and making stories come to life
5: now, I'm just looking at 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 some of the projects and and trying to figure out when things are happening and how long it took you to get these things together. Um, for example, uh, you've got war to the state, um, Della, and, uh, and, and one that I, that I find really fascinating because I'm in Michigan. Welcome to the good life.
2: <laughs> yeah. I a because-
5: white American family in Texas, uh, <laughs> packs up his wife and kids and and moves in with his adoptive black family in Detroit.
1: <laughs> you know what, it's funny all of those projects are in different stages of development. Um but uh welcome to the good life. I'm still in the in the in the early stages of. But I have a um a beautiful, amazing um blonde-haired, blue-eyed white nephew uh who my uh, brother adopted um years ago and so basically we're very close and you know just like the blind side you know there's stories you know like you know what happens in the blind side just kind of blind side in the, the movie blind side in reverse so i mean my basically he's such a great kid and i just really wanted to, him to think about in 20 years when he has his own wife and kids that he would see a a TV show that looks like his life, or that he would be able to look back at a a, a series that, that looks like his life, where he has a black family who's supporting him and and and, and covering him and taking care of him and um, you know and uh, and he's able to connect to the black experience and also connect to the fact that we're more similar than not similar because he has personal experience with it. How.
5: Oh. That- <clears throat> How have you been able to keep moving forward with all of the projects you have going on during the pandemic this last year?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, because I'm constantly sequestering myself, and I might go to a hotel for three or four days and write, um, and at a time, and you know, so for for me, it's it's the pandemic was emotional to watch the suffering of so many people and so many people who had died but it was to a certain degree the sequestering was very familiar because i do that to myself on my own um and so meditation and and taking time to reflect and plan for the next year and um you know i think it was difficult for the whole world I can't remember an episode in, in the world that put all of the world in chaos at the same time. Um, but Not uh, in a
5: hundred years, anyway.
1: Not in a hundred years, right. So um, it forced the world to stop. It was a, a moment. And, um, yeah, I just took that and started writing and creating and meditating and thinking about my life.
5: I was going to say, were were you able to be especially productive? And I asked this question of a number of different people, including some New York Times uh, best-selling authors. And I'm always surprised at the number of people who say, you know, I look back at the year and I was really just kind of, shell-shocked and you know not as productive as i could have been i i was i was just shocked i you know i stood there like a deer in the headlights and um you know it's and and i wonder with creative people songwriters and and people who write you know plays and screenplays and so on as you do you know if it if it was a time of of being able to finish some projects and and get some other projects started if you've been able to be especially productive?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was able to be incredibly productive um, because, I mean, I was working on, matter of fact, right now I'm working on a new biopic um, that I've been contracted contracted to write. So, um, I'm. you know, I think the best way I would say for any writer is to constantly write uh, the best advice I would give. So, Last year, I was able to write the whole year and write on my experiences um, and reflect. Reflection is so important as a writer also. So, yeah, I feel like I got a lot accomplished during the pandemic. How
5: have you been able to navigate what has historically been a business run by old white men? Um, you know, it's one thing to it's one thing to be multi talented and to write prolifically and to write well, but how do you get people to read it?
1: Um, you know, I think people. I'm I'm finding more and more that it's kind of like well, not in the case Beverly Cleary. Unfortunately, she has passed away. She was one of my favorite childhood writers, uh, Ramona the Past and Ramona the Brave and. Um, Judy Bloom, are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. Um, You know, of course, Dr. Maya Angelou, Toni Morrison. You know, all of those people I'm just, I'm naming um, Alice Walker, Color Purple. Those are people that were able to inject a part of who they were as a person to me, part of their personality, into their writing, part of their wisdom into their writing. So I think that people have to connect to the character or something that you're saying to make them want to read or watch and so I try to infuse as much of me and, and as much as wisdom that was, was passed down to me from my grandmothers and aunts um, that over the years so, and then they want to they're drawn to it
5: Is producing uh, is doing the production yourself um, a way of getting around the Hollywood establishment and making sure that your work gets produced and gets out there?
1: Yeah, currently it's it's one of the only ways (laughs) because (laughs) there um there's so many shut doors and there's not a clear path. There's not a clear runway that says, okay, so you're a writer so now we're going to put you on this runway and you're going to just go all the way to the top like that's not you have to be so creative in how you get your work out there that for me it's too uh, daunting to try to just wait for this cycle that i don't understand i don't know how to navigate i just create my own i create my own system um and and, and i'm not the only one to send that i mean that. But you, in certain certain ways, you have to create your own bubble, and your own system for people to know that you exist. And then, oh, okay, yeah, you exist. Okay, I'll help. But I'm starting to get a lot of mainstream uh, now um, attention from you know the powers be because I didn't wait for anyone to give me an invitation.
5: Is there a moment <laughs> or a project that you um, started shopping around that 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 created a moment where from that point forward people would take your calls?
1: I think that this uh, remember me, the Mahalia Jackson project is just garnering a lot of attention. And so it's starting to really take off. And I guess that's because not because of me, but more of Mahalia um, who has been so iconic and such a national treasure for gospel music around the world so I think um, holding on to the wings of Mahalia um, yes my my career is is starting to get the attention I've been working for for a very long time so very exciting
5: well you've had some success with In Love with Tyrone I was thinking maybe um, you know the fact that you had that Successful uh, musical stage play might have given you some credibility with people as you started uh, pitching other
1: projects. Yeah, it does. You know, it's funny every every project that you do gives credibility to who you are. Um, you know, and and that's why they say don't don't ignore the small wins, the small victories. Um, every step I've taken has gotten me to this point, and love as Tyrone has. What of the state had. I mean, every, you, you know, every bridge, even the bridges that, or the steps you've taken that seem like they weren't, went. You needed those because someone heard you or saw you because of that moment. So, yeah, I'd say so definitely. Um, every aspect of my career has helped the next.
5: Now, the big, the big question, I want to make sure that we let listeners know where they can, uh, where they can see some of your work um, what do you you have some things that are that are coming up uh, in the very near future that, that people will be yeah. able to tune into
1: yeah well number one uh, remember me the Mahalia Jackson story will debut this fall and I will announce more coming up uh, but uh, Dreams from the Edge which is starring Mark Curry, Bernadette Stannis, Alexia Faith Roberts that is going to be debuting in film festivals around the world and I will be sending that out to where everyone can see it, and I'll announce that very soon. Cool. And so please go to my Instagram page at com, and I will be announcing more.
5: Now, didn't I read that you had written a, uh, a television series?
1: I did. I wrote a uh, Ward of the State, which is a sitcom pilot, and um, we wrote that in 2015, a sitcom pilot, Ward of the State. So that's still... Uh, in development and um hopefully that will be out soon but yeah that's such a great great theory and um you know as as my name is starting to kind of emerge and arise out there and a lot of my projects I think people will start
5: seeing very soon. And and how long am I gonna have to wait to see Welcome to the Good Life?
1: Um, I will let you know. <laughs> <not because> I <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> At ericnacomblon dot com, and you'll find out more about that
5: coming up. <laughs> well, that's a that's a great place uh, where people can explore and find out more about you and and your that's work, right. past, present, and and future. Um, with all of the things that you have going on, um, I, I guess part of me wonders how you keep it all straight in your head, but uh, but also. Um, with all the things that you've got going on, do you have a favorite?
1: Um, I have a favorite. I can't say I have a favorite. I know that's like asking
5: somebody if they have a favorite (laughs) child, but...
1: Yeah, exactly, because all the actors in each one of the projects are important. I don't have a favorite. They're like, they're all so important to me, um... Passion project would probably be Mahalia Jackson, just because of who she was as a woman, um, and and what she represented to you know to black women around the world. But uh, but I love all of them equally. I really do. How are you?
5: Are you able to? I I don't know how else to put this, Erica. But are you able to make ends meet with the the work that you're doing and the things that you've been contracted to do?
1: Yes, my business partner and I, Philip Robinson, we co-own a healthcare consulting firm. So this is something I'm I'm doing as well. But we also um, co-own a healthcare consulting firm, so we have the ability to finance some of our projects that we do. So that's, I, I, I'm making me pretty well.
5: So that's that's the Erica version of waiting tables while you're waiting for your big break.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> my version. <laughs> um
5: it, now one of the one of the stories and, and I can't remember which one it was and there there's so many here to to thumb through. Um takes place uh in Kentucky. It's Della is the one. Yeah. And um now is that based on things that you saw or or knew about or heard about um living in Kentucky?
1: Yeah, well, no, not at all. Um, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, So um, I wasn't raised that, but my mother told me of a character that was like that. And I just modernized it and kind of show, you know, my mother always told me to to not judge people. um, And you don't know what story they had. And so she told me about this woman who was a hero and a villain, and that she she worked in the mafia, but then she also protected women from domestic violence. So I kind of created this character who, uh, the, fictional, the fictional character, even though it's based on a real person, uh, who was a complicated woman. She was a hero and a villain. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great series. I plan on working on that at the beginning of next year.
5: Well, it... it um... All of these projects look so interesting I can't wait until uh you know until I can actually see them um,
1: thank you thank you so much and um I'm so super excited. I truly appreciate this uh interview and all of your amazing questions
5: well and and finally we we just have a few minutes uh a few minutes left but how did you get from where are you? Operating now, are you? Are you in Los Angeles?
1: I am in Las Vegas. Oh, um, it's a couple of hours, a few hours away from Los Angeles. No, I'm in Las Vegas, and I go back and forth to LA. Uh, I lived in LA for a time, um, but you know, Las Vegas kind of has that bridge of um, not the Strip where everyone knows about, which is
2: very right.
1: bustling, but 30 minutes away is kind of like this suburban kentucky feel with um but yeah you have access to all the magic so and i'm it's a great place i have around mountains and i'm able to really see a lot of um nature and it's just beautiful to be able to create new stories
5: when you go back and forth to uh los angeles do you drive
1: when i go back and forth to los angeles i generally drive just because i love the, the desert scenery and um
5: the reason I ask is because I've made that drive. <laughs> I I lived in uh I lived in Los Angeles for a short time Erica and while I was living there I I drove to Las Vegas to uh fly home <laughs> because oh, the flights wow. were so cheap. <laughs> oh wow. And uh and so I've made that drive. In fact, I uh flew into uh Las Vegas on uh 4th of July. Um just before dusk, so as I was driving out, by the time I got my car and was driving to head back to Los Angeles, um, the the Strip was doing all the fireworks.
2: Oh. And it was
5: panoramic, and I I sort of imagined that they were making all the hoopla because I was there. But-
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right, they knew you were coming.
5: Exactly. They threw a little party. <laughs>
1: Um, Take to a party. <laughs> but I've but
5: I've made that drive and I can understand, you know, why it would be um you know, kind of kind of a pleasant commute from time to time. I mean it's not It so- is
1: a pleasant commute. I really enjoy it and I you know, I'm a very introspective person, so it gives me a chance to relax and just kind of um just feel the world. Feel the world around me.
5: It's interesting you said that you're <laughs> introspective. I, I always uh, Ask writers, um, because writing is, is such a solitary endeavor, if they enjoy the promotion part, like, like book writers you know, going out for book signings and readings and things, if they enjoy that part of interacting with people. But um, how, how is, is that for you? You, you say you're introspective, but, but yet you're speaking to hopefully a very large audience.
1: Yes, you know, um, I'm an intro-outro person, though. <laughs> 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 so, um, now you no. sound
5: like an economist. On one hand, exactly. I'm this way. On the other <laughs> hand, I'm this way.
1: On one hand. Um, no, I think for me, it's just I, I'm, I'm great at at communicating. That was one of my corporate communications was one of my majors. So, um, you know, for me, I was in speech and debate in college and, I was in pageants, which was the whole point of the pageants was communication and being able to communicate your platform. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I enjoy talking to people as much as I enjoy writing. I might be an outlier for most writers, I think.
5: <laughs> well, my guest is Erica Nicole Malone. She is uh, uh, an actress, writer, director, and producer. Which, which hat do you think you wear most often? erica the writer or the producer
1: i would say the writer right now yeah and then second would be the producer
5: well i wish you all the success in the world and once again for our listeners so they can uh kind of zero in and find out more about you and your work past present and future um can you share the uh the website again
1: Absolutely. You can go to at Erica Nicole Malone on in Instagram and also um, EricaNicoleMalone.com.
5: Well, Erica, thanks so much for uh, sharing a little bit of yourself and your work with, uh, with me today. And um, I, I thank you for, for being here and wish you all the best with all of your projects.
1: Um, it was the truest pleasure. Thank you so much.
5: All right. Take care.
1: Okay, bye.
5: That was uh, actress, writer, director, and producer Erica Nicole Malone. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program (laughs) soon.
2: Let's
8: sing lies Are we crazy? Baby This isolated life ain't all And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and
5: now too, and even now.
7: Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part.
3: Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Thurling.
9: Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondra. Actor, comedian, Jonah Pody. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow.
4: State Senator
5: Jim Annen.
9: Comedian, Brian
5: McCree. The
4: unknown comic.
5: Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You're, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's uh, it's that's impressive. Nice
9: to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't
5: read the whole thing. I've got to admit that. Uh, hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview always. you It's you, <laughs> like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind, and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com.
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
3: The play that I want to tell you about is that Romeo and Juliet. Now there is a real thing. It's, It's a story about how this boy and girl was in love of one another, don't you see? It is. And everything would have been all right for them except that their daddies didn't get along. They didn't and when the play opens, Juliet's daddy is a-throwing this big fancy dress ball and he invited the whole town to be there but he didn't invite none of Romeo's people to come and his buddies learnt of it and they put him up to slipping on a costume and slipping in at this party and he was a spunky kind of a boy and he done it. (laughs) I think. He done it and he got in there and everything was a-going good till all of a sudden this girl Juliet come down the stairs and he was so struck by her that he'd give a soliloquy right there. <laughs> he did. And it wasn't about being or not being, it was about doing or not doing. <laughs> Well, the dudes, they won out over the dunks. And so what he done, he got her by the hand and started to take her out in the yard. And we'll never know what it was that there's going to do out there. We won't because this fella Tybalt, recognized Romeo for who he was and come up on him a trying to pick a fight. But uh, Juliet's daddy, he didn't want no bloodshed right there in his living room. He didn't. So all he done, he run Romeo off. But uh, Romeo didn't go straight home. (laughs) No, he didn't. He went out and hid in the yard till everybody left the party. And then when they had all went, he popped up and looked around. And he seen this light come on away off yonder. And he says to himself, he says, hark. He says, what light by yonder window shines? (laughs) He did and, and let me tell you, Juliette step, stepped out of her bedroom window onto this stoop and uh, she give a soliloquy She did, friends, and somewhere in it, somewhere in it, she says, Romeo, Romeo She says, for art thou, Romeo? And he popped up and says, I'm right here. (laughs) I thank you, I thank you. Well, as it happened, there was this great big pea vine growing up to where she is (laughs) standing. And so he clumb up it. He clumb up it, and that is where they had that balcony scene, and he, they hadn't been there but just a few minutes till he asked her to marry him, and that shows that he was an honorable boy about it all. <laughs> well, she says when, and he's...
2: <laughs>
3: well, he says now, and that shows that he wasn't up there for no light courting. He wanted to get on with it. <laughs> Back then, the reason everybody lived in castles was that there were so many of them to put up at nights. Well, there were so many of them there that they had to keep a preacher on duty day and night. (laughs) Fellow Friar Lawrence was his name. And so Romeo and Juliet, they went downstairs and woke him up and told him what it was that they wanted to do, and he thought that was all right. So he married them right there, but then, don't you see, it was a question of where they was to spend the night, things being how they, how they was and all. And uh, Friar Lawrence told Romeo that he ought to go on home that night. And uh, Romeo, he didn't take to it too hot. He didn't. He didn't, but he did. He went on home that night, and, and then Romeo thought that he better go off and lay low till things cooled off. And while he is gone, friends, Juliet's mama took a great notion that Juliet ought to get married. And then she was in a bind. She was. Because she didn't want two husbands because she figured that Romeo would be enough to take care of by self. And so she went back down to Friar Lawrence to see what she ought to do. And he mixed her up a drink, and she drunk it, and she fell out across the bed there, and everybody thought she is dead and they had this big, pretty funeral, and laid her out in this family tomb and all. And before that Friar Lawrence could get word to Romeo that she wasn't really dead, some of them mean boys that lived in that town told him that she was dead. And he figured life didn't hold nothing for him. So he went out and got him this big can of lie to drink. So he went over to this tomb where it was she was laid out, and he opened the door of it, and he says, oh my love, oh my wife. He did. And he went in and he drunk the lie and kissed her and says, with this kiss, I die. And he fell out across to that. And uh, he was a big boy for his age. (laughs) He was. And the impact of him, a falling on her, woke her up. And she woke up, didn't know what was going on. And she looked there and seen Romeo a laying dead. And then she figured life didn't hold nothing for her. (laughs) And then she took his knife and run it into herself, and she expired. (laughs) She did, friends. And the moral of it is, if you've got a boy that courts a girl that you don't like, or the other way around, if you don't want the expense of a double funeral on you, The best thing for you to do is to let them have a cheap wedding.
2: (laughs) This was
0: another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
8: How much I care Oh With your arms around me I get a fever That's too hot, too bad You give me fever huh? mm-hmm. oh, When you kiss me When you hold me tight When you do me right Fever Fever in the morning And fever All through the long Hot night Oh Sunlight of the daytime And the moonlight's of the night Oh, I light up when you're calling You're calling my name I know you're gonna treat me right You give me fever Oh, mm-hmm. When you kiss me When you hold me tight When you do me right Fever, baby, in the morning through the long hand night. Hey, hey, yeah. Hey. such a new thing, my love. It started long ago, oh, you give me fever, oh, yeah, when you kiss me, when you hold me tight, when you do me right, fever, baby, in the morning, and fever all through the long night, oh, yeah, fever through.
5: Well, there's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall for the uh, weekend to the uh, living room. But I'll be back Monday with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Thanks to all my guests, quadruple-thread actress, writer, director, producer, Erica Nicole Malone. And before that, uh, we got a chance to talk to uh, historian and best-selling author uh, from National Geographic, Jean-Pierre Isbouts. And starting out with uh, Active Combat Veteran Entrepreneur and author of Don't Shoot Your uh, Future Self, Eric Power. Good night, everybody. I want to
0: acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area.